Welcome to Full Time with Meg Linehan, Journey to the Cup edition. I'm Meg Linehan, and this is a special episode brought to you by Google Chrome. Google Chrome lets you save all of your passwords securely and use them on your computer and on your phone. So you spend less time trying to remember your password and more time getting things done. All your passwords remembered like magic. There's no place like Chrome. So I am very excited to talk all things Canada ahead of the Summer's World Cup with none other than Janine Becky, who has obviously been with us on full time before we figured we would bring her back because there's no better person to talk to following the, re- the release of Canada's preliminary roster for their World Cup prep. Plus, we've got plenty of other news about the World Cup happening. So if you did miss that full roster, we've got it on The Athletic, thanks to Steph. So there will be a link in the show notes for you. But let's just dive right in. Janine, welcome back. Thank you for having me back. I am very excited to be here. Okay, great. I, I do. I want to start with you and your recovery process and, and how that's going for you. Obviously, the background, <laughs> if you're if people are watching this video, it is does not look like Portland. I'll put it that way. Yeah, so I uh, have been really lucky with such a great club that has just um, kind of gone above and beyond to make sure that I'm getting the care that I that I need, um, as well as being able to take care of the, the playing squad. So, um, you know, my life is kind of in two places here in Miami and in Portland. And just because of the phase that I'm in, in my rehab, um, I've kind of been back and forth a little bit. So I'm here for a short bit of time working with physical therapists, and then I'll be back in Portland, hopefully, um, when I'm ready to do some more plyometric and get back into running mechanics, which is really exciting. So um, my recovery is going well. It's been what I would assume to be as smooth as as ACL recoveries go. So crossing my fingers that we continue down that path. But yeah, I just I'm surrounded by such great support and teammates um, and medical personnel. So I'm really I'm in a good spot. Yeah, I mean, Miami, this is very off topic from World Cup, but like Miami right at the moment has to feel like a very soccer city. (laughs) Oh my gosh, the buzz has been incredible. And it's to no surprise with, um, you know, the big name that that Messi is, but my boyfriend is quite involved in the soccer community across the country, but specifically in Miami. And I know he's got a lot of, a lot of folks that he knows down at Inter Miami, very excited about um, who's going to be joining them very soon. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about Canada. Um, obviously, the the preliminary roster came out. This is not the final roster for the World Cup, but, you know, had the chance to hop on Zoom with Bev yesterday and get some of her thoughts ahead of the tournament. But just when you're looking at this roster, were there any surprises for you? Any names that really stand out? Or is this the group that you kind of expected for Canada heading into this tournament? I think it's to be expected. I think there's probably a couple of names um, left off that maybe folks would would have thought, you know, the likes of Bianca St. George and, and Gabby Carl, who are both fantastic players. And and as their teammate, I'm obviously gutted for them um, and has, see how hard they work and how well they're doing with their club teams. But at the end of the day, you know, that's why we're not the ones making the decisions. Because if I had to make that decision, I'd never be able to do it. I'd say, FIFA, I'm bringing 26 and you're not going to do anything about it. <laughs> yeah. um, but I do think when you look at the roster, it's such a strong squad. Um, definitely, from a depth perspective, really exciting. A lot of young names on there. You know, Simeo Ujo is a rising star in the college game right now. I've been super impressed with her since she's come into our environment. You know, Jade Rose, who is also kind of flown under the radar uh, in the world game. But, you know, we played against Australia and she had a really, really strong game against Sam Kerr. And everybody knows how dangerous Sam is. Um, And so I think that speaks volumes to Jade. And she's versatile, can play as a center back, uh, 
a fullback, could even play in the midfield. So I think when you go to a World Cup, that's what, what you want is players that can play in multiple positions. And then we obviously have some injury concerns. So I think Bev, you know, added two players on that roster to to buffer that because she's not tw- quite sure what things are going to look like when it comes down to actually starting the tournament. So uh, super exciting team. Obviously, I have so much FOMO already, um, but I'm so excited to watch this team play. I think I think they're going to take a lot of people by surprise. Yeah, I want to. I definitely want to talk about the group because also I think Canada's group is the one that I am most excited about. But first, I want to talk about the fact that Canada isn't getting a send off game, which feels bad, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, let's not hide behind uh, that. Yeah, like. <laughs> We'll just we'll just straight it like feels bad, man, because like this team obviously coming off an Olympic win, like this is another major tournament, another major chance for this team to really establish itself. And, you know, we can get into this closed door friendly because I do want to talk to you about what that might provide. But, you know, how does it make you feel where there's no like, you're, you know, we're sending you off? It's frustrating for sure. And I think it, it feels bad. Like you said, it, it doesn't feel good. <laughs> And as a player, it's really disappointing. And, you know, I can't speak for the players who grew up and were born and raised in Canada because obviously my situation's different. But to be someone who doesn't get the opportunity to play in front of their friends and family consistently, that's really tough. Um, and when you're about to go off to the biggest world tournament in the, in the universe and you're coming out of the Olympics as the reigning world champions and we don't have that game it's hard to not take that personally as a women's team. And I think, you know, we're in a tough situation right now and have been for specifically the last couple of months with our Federation conversations are going in a really positive direction. So I'd definitely be um, sad not to include, include that. But the reality is that we should have a send off game and we're not. And by the time they figured that out, it was too late. So uh, my message would just be to our fans, like, we're sorry that our federation couldn't couldn't figure that out. And um, I think it, it'll give the team a little bit of extra fire to perform at the World Cup for our fans. Not that they need any more fire than they already have. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'll reiterate, it doesn't feel good. But we've had yeah. to kind of swallow that that's the reality. Yeah. There is this closed-door friendly against England July 14th once it's actually, you know, the team has established itself. What does that offer, you know, really both teams, right? Like this is kind of that last little tune-up that is behind closed doors, but also you're not trying to potentially give (laughs) England, right, too much information. But there is maybe a chance of like, ooh, we could maybe make sure that the chemistry is there. Like what what do you think the team gets out of a game specifically like this right before a tournament? Yeah, you kind of view it as a last dress rehearsal, if you will, before before the real thing. And I think what's so great is that they're going to have a chance to match up against one of the best teams in the world right now. You know, everybody knows that England is firing on all cylinders and in my opinion will be one of the teams to beat at the tournament um, full of really good players. And it'll be interesting to see or to hear, I guess, how England approaches that game from the same perspective. You know, like you said, you don't want to give away too many things, but at the same time, you're a week away from everybody seeing that anyways. So what kind of risks Mm -hmm. do you take in terms of trying to you know, play, play your best 11 would be my intention if I'm the coach. Um, and it's really kind of the last time to put all the pieces together. At this point, you're not you're not messing things up too much. You're not mixing around lineups. You're not trying to find that 11. You've, you've you know, hopefully found that team. 
um, and the ones that you're going to rely on as your starters, if you will. So I think it's a really great opportunity, and I can't imagine really a better game for them to warm up to this tournament with. And we all know, looking at the group stage, that there's no taking our foot off the gas through those three games. So I think playing one of the best teams in the world leading into those is the perfect way to get prepared. Yeah, let's talk about the group stage because the group stage, first of all, this group, I remember like sitting through the draw and everyone's like, okay, this group, this is the group. This is the group because we've got Canada, Nigeria, Ireland, and Australia, which to me, it's just like, I, I truly, I'm like, I, any, any two of those teams can go through. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's uh, definitely the group of death, if you will. And I was in no way surprised when we got this draw because we just seemed to, to have that luck. Uh, and at the same time, having to fly to Perth in between the first two games, this team absolutely thrives in adversity and challenge. So I think it bodes well for us, maybe more than it would for other teams, but it's also just such an incredible showcase of where the women's game is, because I think probably even maybe not in France, but definitely in 2015 in Canada, I'm not sure that there would have even been enough like really quality teams for there to be a group of death. So I think it's a great Testament and, um, you know, you have to beat the best to be the best, as cliche as that sounds. And every single game in the group stage is going to give our team a different test. But all that's going to do is prepare them for the potential knockout round because it just gets harder from there, right? So I think Mm -hmm. you you get challenged in different ways, in very difficult ways through three games in the group stage. And then you're like, okay, we've seen it all. What else can be thrown at us in this tournament? Whereas you look at some of the other groups and you think, okay, maybe a little bit more potential for – rest and um rotation but at the same time you know you cruise through three games and all of a sudden you get hit with a top top nation in the world in the round of 16 and you know maybe your tournament ends a little bit sooner than you expected so i do think it's i do think it's a good thing um it's definitely going to be tough but uh definitely this team can face that challenge yeah i mean this is the first time that we're going to see this tournament with 32 teams right so i think that's going to be kind of an interesting just it's going to be a very different vibe, I think, than previous tournaments in terms of how these groups are going to play out. Because before, you know, like it, that that kind of like, can we sneak through on a third place finish, right? And that's gone. Yeah, it's gone. It's gone for sure. And I think the the pressure that it puts on the teams through the group stage is different. But I also think it'll challenge those top teams to find another level that they haven't had to find in previous World Cups. And again. Every opportunity, every example that we've talked about is just a great exhibit of where the game has gone. And the fact that we have 32 teams who can compete in a World Cup just as mm. such a great uh, portrayal of the growth of the game just since 2019. Yeah. I want to talk to you about that travel in the middle of the group oh stage, which is gosh, just. I'm like, <laughs> there are some benefits, I will say, very, very few to not going to this tournament, but that is definitely one of them. I think. Yeah, we just got the short end of the stick on that one. It's it, that's purely just a little bit of uh, lack of luck. So yeah. um, that was, I mean, yeah. unfortunately, that was one of the reasons why I've decided not to travel with the team to Australia, just because that is hard on the body for anyone. Um, so, right. yeah, I mean, again, we have the best medical staff traveling with the team. I know 
the Canadian staff is probably going to be the most well-prepared staff at the tournament. So I'm sure they've got protocol after protocol in place, recovery protocol, recovery strategies, all that kind of thing that the team will be also very well prepared for as they go into that. So I think too, the NWSL is such a great um, tool in that sense, because I mean, even, even the team this weekend's flying all the way to Orlando um, and it's, Right. With less time to prepare than, than a team will have at the World Cup. So uh, we always look at the travel in the NWSL as, as uh, so terrible, but maybe in this case it'll be a benefit. Yeah, I mean, I think that is kind of, you know, just even for me planning my logistics through traveling through the World Cup and just being like, okay, it's not great. Like, although I think for me, right, like as a, a person who is primarily following the U.S. through the tournament, we got very lucky with our draw because it is so New Zealand centric, much smaller country, entirely North Island. You do have to like pop over to Australia for a little bit. Then you come back to New Zealand, then you go back to Australia. But like, again, these shorts, these flights are like not that bad if you live in the U (laughs) S so it's just like getting over there is I think going to be like truly. And you know, this is why teams are working so hard to get over there as early as possible because I mean, I, I flew over there in January to cover the two us games and I, you leave one day and then you lose an entire day and then you show up <laughs> two days later and you're uh, just I think like, you were there in November, maybe for those two friendlies. And it's, yeah. I actually think it might be easier than going to Europe from a jet lag perspective because you leave at night, you get there at night and you're like, okay, I'm just going to go to bed and I've just missed the whole day of life, but Hey, here we are. Yeah. yeah, I remember talking to Allie Riley at one point because we ran into each other at the airport and she's like, yeah, I've, I've definitely like flown on my birthday before and I've either like missed it entirely <laughs> or I've had two birthdays. And I was like, well, if you get two yeah, the birthdays, then... great. The former... yeah, oh. <laughs> right. All right. Let's um, let's talk maybe bigger picture about Canada and and where this team is at maybe ahead of the World Cup. I mean, you've obviously alluded to injuries. Those have been a storyline for every team. That was actually my question for for Bev in her press conference, just in terms of how that affects preparations, not just from like a, a roster standpoint, but like she's like, I'm watching games right now. Like, Literally, like please, please, no one get hurt. Yeah. yeah, it's wild. It's wild. You know, like injuries are obviously part of the game and you know, I don't want to talk about to myself too much on this, but I've had that, you know, it, it's such an, such a weird experience to go through. And I've been so lucky that I haven't had a major injury this far in my career. And I'm about to turn 29. I know a lot of people don't have that experience. So um, I've gained a lot of really great perspective in the last couple of months, which perspective is always welcomed and necessary. But I think for Bev, it's created a lot of stress over the last couple of months. But if you take this team, rewind back to 2019, we would have been, like, for lack of a better term, like, totally screwed if we had the amount of injuries that we've had this time around just because our depth has just grown so much. And you see the likes of Jordan Heidema and Julia Grosso who are, like, experienced players on the world stage now, and that's never been the case for Canadians. You know, there's always the anomalies like the Jesse Flemings and, you know, Ashley Lawrence and Kadisha who, you know, maybe Jesse more as an example was playing with this team when she was like still an infant, but yeah, <laughs> she's ridiculous. But aside from that, all over the world, you're seeing teams 
that have really great development systems in place, really great professional systems in place where somebody like Lauren Hemp from England is in a professional environment from the time that she's 16. And by 18, 19, she's a starter on one of the best teams in the world. And that just hasn't been our reality as a country. So aside from needing that, needing to fix that, we've, we found these kind of diamonds in the rough in, in players like that, who, you know, both, straight out of you know julia out of college jordan out of high school popped over to to europe have had their respective experiences jordan's flying in the nwsl now julia is a very uh common if not one of the most important pieces to that juventus team and they're coming into our environment full on confidence and when we have players that young who i think julia will probably be a consistent starter in this tournament jordan as well but even if they're not ready to play as a starter, ready to play as, as someone coming off the bench. And now, because they've been in our environment for so long, Bev knows what to expect, and she knows that she can trust those younger players to go out on the field. And then, you know, you have somebody like Jesse Fleming who's playing in her third World Cup. Like, <laughs> I know, to me, I'm like, is she still 12? It's you fine. know, she's like my best friend, and I'm, I feel like I'm 10 years older than her. Um, but, yeah, so I think when you look at our team – I will say and I will die on the hill that we are still significantly underrated as a team and as a country. Um, Not sure how that's possible being Olympic champions, but here we are. I'll still say that. So if that takes us going and winning a World Cup to gain the respect of the soccer world, then so be it. Um, But like I said before, I think this team, big picture, not just this tournament, but for the next couple of years is really going to be a solid place, hopefully in the top five in the world. We'll be right back after this. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Again, I know we have spoken plenty of times and everyone speaks plenty of times about Christine Sinclair. But to me, you know, she is still the player, right? Just in terms of like, I think who people look to for this team. And obviously, you know, we've, we've spoken a lot this year (laughs) just in terms of stuff happening off the field, but what does a player like Zink offer this team through a major tournament as someone who has been, you know, just endless amounts of tournament experience? Yeah. I mean, it's pretty amazing that I've gotten this far in this call and haven't mentioned her name because that doesn't (laughs) often, but I think when, the global soccer world hears Canada, they see Christine. And that's always been the case, and that will probably continue to be the case for some time, which is completely valid. I think the the thoughts starting to shift just due to visibility, like, oh, I'm, you know, Jesse Fleming plays at Chelsea, and I think Kadisha's there now. Like, people just have a better knowledge of where players are playing and um, get to see them on a more consistent basis, which is fantastic. But when you look at, you know, Christine's career with the national team, She's just always been good. Like, there is just not one example I can think of since I joined the team, which seems like forever ago now. It wasn't that long ago. But that I think, oh, like, she's been 
she's been in a rut. Like I don't literally, I literally, there's never been a thought in my mind about her. She's the most consistent, highest performing player that I've ever been around. And now having been with her in a club environment for two and a half years, mm-hmm. it's no different in the club environment where it's so much harder to do with so many more games um, where she's relied upon, you know, in a different role than she was before, just in terms of position, you know, she's playing in midfield and playing time is different than it, than it used to be, which is just natural when you come towards the end of your career. But, you know, if you speak to her, she would say, no coach, I'm, I'm good for three ninety minutes. And Bev has to be like, let's just see how what's best to do here. Like take your foot off the gas a little bit, but that's just, you know, she's such a competitor. Um, and I think what's been really cool seeing her journey up to this point is just how she has relinquished so much of that leadership and just kind of passed that baton to other people, you know, myself included. And it's been such a pleasure to learn from her, not just on the field, but from a leadership perspective in the way that she leads, because it's so different than the textbook, especially I think in the U S like the textbook leader is like loud and, uh, yeah. you know, making these, huge speeches and trying to inspire everyone and is always the last one there and the first one there. And I think that's great. And I think there's definitely that leadership style, but she just does it in such a, you know, fly under the radar kind of way. She doesn't like attention. She doesn't want people to notice her. She wants people to notice everyone else. And I think that's what makes her such a special player is she doesn't do anything that's like, well, she has, don't get me wrong, when she does like overhead kicks and it goes into the <laughs> Like, how did you do that? But for the most part, day to day, it's just the subtle, fundamental things that she does better than anyone else. I heard Sophia Smith speaking to, I don't know if it was a porter or someone one time saying, I've never seen Sink, like, rip, rip the skin off the ball. Because she's just such a good finisher that she doesn't need mm. to. And she was just talking about how much she's learned from her from a finishing perspective. And I couldn't echo that anymore. You know, like, she doesn't smack the ball at people. She doesn't you know, score David Beckham bending bangers in the top corner. She scores in a lot of different ways. She gets herself there. But I think what's become so much more a part of Sink's game is the playmaker that she is. Like, it's not let's get the ball to Sink because we know she's going to do something and we're going to win the game. It's how does she make her teammates better and how do we – use all of the best things that she is to connect to everyone else on the team. And I think having her in that midfield role, especially in Portland has, has shown that massively. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what is interesting though, is that like both team captains for Canada and the U S are in Portland. Right. And do kind of have the same general, like, it's not about me. It's about the team. Don't give me attention. Right. Like, Christine and Becky are not the same person, but like as leaders, they kind of are the same general type. They both hate attention. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> means I like to give them both more attention than they like. And it's. <laughs> All right, let's go big, big picture and just talk World Cup stuff, because there was big news this week from FIFA just in terms of so much more increased investment. And obviously it's not quite at the end result where I think everybody would want it to be where, you know, prize money is equal and all that kind of great stuff. But there still is some good news in that federations are going to get money directly for supporting teams through the tournament, but also even even better news, 
players are going to get paid directly for playing in the tournament. And is obviously someone who is kind of very involved in this bigger fight for respect. Um, what does a development like this mean to you to start? And then, you know, where, where do we go from here? I guess. I think it's a huge step forward and, you know, an action by FIFA that really should, you know, put the players in a position where we believe that they're backing up what they're saying in terms of investment in the women's game. You know, I will hold on to the equalization of prize money in 2027. Again, I will die on that hill. He said it. I expect it. But, you know, let's hope that we get there. Uh, Let's expect to get there. But I think when you read the reasoning behind this prize money allocation, it's like the devil and the angel on the shoulder, right? Part of me is like mm. super pissed off that the average salary in the women's game is still so low. And then the angel on my shoulder is like, oh, but FIFA's finally doing something about it. And I think that that's what's so great is now players that are going to or have been named to the roster have this definite amount that they can hang their hats on and say, wow, I'm walking away from this tournament with 30, with 30K, no matter how we do. And yep. understandably, and as it should be, that, that amount increases significantly per round. But I think when you look at what this means globally for the women's game is that it's the respect that the women's game deserves. And, you know, everyone, all those trolls on Twitter who are like, oh, you don't do the same as the men, you shouldn't get paid the same as the men, I'm like... That it, it, it expired. Your comment is. Let's just. I'm gonna start commenting expired on those rolls comments. Um, but I just. I. It makes me really happy that FIFA has recognized that they have a big role in this fight, the biggest role, really, um, and that they single-handedly can change the game when it comes to yeah. to equal pay and equal playing field. Um, and so for them to stake, to take what feels in some ways and it is a massive step, but in other ways feels like an incremental step towards where we want to go. Um, I think, you know, I want to be optimistic about that. And um, to say that this isn't huge news would be under um, undermining what this actually means. So it's incredible. I think, you know, this is life changing money to some women in this game, which I, is, should be the headline. Like this, this money will change the lives of a lot of players playing in this tournament. And for those that do make good money in their environments, it's a way for us to continue to push the standard and push the bar uh, because there re- there should be no one making the average salary that they've reported because that's just, it's it's expired. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a perfect place to leave it. Jeanine, do you have, do you want to make any bold predictions World Cup I mean, related? All the way. Do you even have to ask? Yeah, I- I really didn't, but I wanted to give you a chance. Champions, yeah, and uh, we're going Kaylin Sheridan with the Golden Glove Mm -hmm. because man, is she just so good! I just genuinely can't believe how good she is. She's just—I just remember humble ever. I'm like, how can you be both? (laughs) I just remember when San Diego was starting as a team and they acquired Kaylin like really early in, and I—I was talking with Casey Stoney, and I think I like asked three questions in a row about Kaylin Sheridan. She's like you really rate Kaylin Sheridan, don't you? And I was like, yes. Yeah, who, <laughs> everyone should, who doesn't? She's like the best goalkeeper in the league by far. Maybe that's me being biased, but I actually used her as an example. My niece is a little goalkeeper. She's 11. And uh, she had to go play in a tournament where her team was significantly like not 
the greatest of the teams. And uh, my sister's like, she's just going to get pummeled. And I'm like, hey, Kalen got pummeled for like five years in the end of it. And every <laughs> week was up for save of the week because she had to make so many saves. And I'm yep. like, hey, look at her now. Now yep. she's literally going to be the best goalkeeper in the World Cup. So uh, those are my predictions. I would love to say that somebody on Canada is going to win the Golden Boot. I genuinely cannot tell you who that is because we have so many options. But, man, I'm just so excited to watch this tournament. Um, it's going to be it's going to be really fun. And I think it's just going to continue to raise the bar for, for the women's game. And I can't wait for the world to, to see that. Perfect. All right. Well, thanks, Janine. And I'm sure we'll be checking back in with you at some point. Always a I want to I wanna make sure if these predictions come true, we got to bring you back on so that way you can like take the victory lap, you know? I'll take it all day long. This has been Full Time with Meg Linehan, Journey to the Cup Edition, a special episode brought to you by Google Chrome. Google Chrome lets you securely save your payment info so you can check out quickly and conveniently. There's no place like Chrome. Chrome.